The following is rated F for big fat spoilers. And welcome to the Thoughtcast episode 45 uh, for our review of, oh my gosh, it's here. Frozen 2, everybody. We have the full Thod squad on hand. Uh, so I'm just going to go around the horn. We have Dawson, we have Hannah, we have Jody. Uh, welcome, you all. We don't have a ton of time right now, but this will just be part one of our coverage on I mean, we've already spent hours talking about this movie on this show already in the lead up, but uh, now, that, now that it's out, there'll be a wealth of details to cover, and this is going to be our episode on our first impressions. Hey, how's everyone doing? Fat freaking tastic. <laughs> yeah, Broke we're doing down. great. We literally, Hannah and I just walked out of the movie theater after seeing Frozen 2, and we have a lot of feelings, and we're super excited that we were all able to come together tonight and sort of share our, I guess, feedback and gut responses from the film we just saw tonight. The yeah. only film that could bring all four elements together. <laughs> Water, Earth. I, I, I was told, I think you told me I should insert that clip in front of this episode. Maybe I will. <laughs> Avatar Elsa and Queen Anna. Wild. That was so cute. For me, that was like the biggest shock of the movie. I mean, spoilers alert, right? Like that's what he just said. Spoilers, spoilers <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Mm -hmm. But I did my best going into this movie to not listen to any music, to not click on any links, to not listen to anyone who went to the early premiere a couple of weeks ago. And I was shocked all around from the fact that Anna became the queen to Elsa's white dress. It was full of surprises for me. Oh, I heard one of the songs. I was teased by the little teaser clips that they gave for some of the songs on like Spotify and like the Elsa doll that sings uh, is some of the uh, Into the Unknown song. And so when, when the soundtrack dropped, I made sure to check out that song because I was really intrigued and I was not disappointed. And then you know, when the movie came out, I saw it on Monday the 18th at Walt Disney Animation Studios. It was, you know, I was on cloud nine, obviously. Uh, but the movie itself, like, I, I really felt like I got a good grasp of my ultimate feelings for it. And, yeah, was, was uh, significantly blown away. Um, and I was uh, very happy with the, the music. And, you know, it looked like it was going to be uh, a banger of a film. And uh, so much to unpack here, certainly. Um, Dawson? Yeah, how are you hanging in there? That's what I've been wondering for the last week or so. Uh, I, too, walked out of the film 24 hours ago, almost exactly. Yeah, I mean, kind of sadly, like Kristoff, uh, I am socially impaired and ice is my life. So uh, this, this has been a pretty big deal for me. I've been waiting for this for six years. And yeah, this past week, I've been, you know, a semi-emotional uh, mess. <laughs> Just, you know, it's being you know, mixed emotion, happiness, elation, and I don't know, just the the process of moving on. Like you literally see someone undergoing a spiritual transformation in this movie. I mean, you kind of did in the first one too, but in this case, it's like more explicit. And uh, I, I, yeah, so I've seen it twice. I'm the only one here who's, who's seen it twice. Um, so I have a pretty good grasp on like the plot, you know, play by play um but we only have i don't know not a ton of time here so we're not going to go like through the entire plot and break it down 
Um, yeah, Jody, Hannah, I'm, I'm very curious. What do you have to say? You guys are kind of looking like Elsa and Anna there on the webcam. <laughs> uh. um, I think we just just left, so we're super fresh here. But I think it was a more maturely told story, and I actually think it was a bit um, topical with the dam and all of the changes of like journeying into the past to find the future and knocking down walls that were set up by those before us into making a new future for what's presented to us now. I think that was a really interesting plot line um, that's not so set in stone, but really like it's there the whole time, but you don't realize it until you're almost to the end of the film that it's that is the message is to break down walls that have been built up for centuries or whatever. So in many aspects of just our political life today or any like hardships that people deal with that we're still trying to overcome and any like social injustices, it's really interesting how they formatted that into a film that was meant for children. Yeah, and to sort of build off that, like I said, we've gone together. The movie itself, for me, it took a minute for me to warm up to this sequel, I guess, um, in the theater. But like Hannah, I really appreciated that message of learning to embrace your past in order to secure, like, a better future, not just for yourself and your family, but for society and, like, culturally. And I didn't click, like I said, on any of the links, but I knew that Walt Disney had some type of agreement with the indigenous people or the Native Americans. I haven't clicked on these links yeah. before going ahead with this movie. Um, and I was curious, like, why there were links that said this. And then, you know, now after seeing the movie, I think Disney did a great job of bringing that type of story in of, like, the Native people, the original people, and then, like, I mean, quote unquote, the white people, like, is that too much to say? Well, you know, coming in and just making these huge changes and the importance of like really looking back at the past with a critical eye, with a truthful eye and, you know, Elsa following that song and, and letting us find the truth with her. I, I thought it was a really well written and a really great story to tell, especially in 2019. Yeah, we, uh, I, I was expecting themes like, environmentalism and um, the allure of magic, as was hinted in the trailers, um, you know, change and uh, mystery. But uh, yeah, the idea of like reparations and cultural integration um, and, and um, you know, I guess cultural oppression of indigenous peoples uh, yeah, was also a major piece of this. The Sami people, I know we mentioned on a previous, uh, previous episode, are the kind of indigenous people to Scandinavia and uh, and Western Russia. They're, they're you know, they, they look very Caucasian, but of course they're, you know, very much, they have their own culture distinct uh, from most of Europe. Um, and yeah, Anna and Elsa, turns out they are half uh, North Aldra, as they are called in this film. And I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see that connection. And Yeah, it's really interesting that they chose to not um, make a different race or like skin color in that way. They just essentially were wearing different outfits, but many of them looked pretty similar, almost like down to their face shape. Like Kristoff, actually, I was kind of questioning in the middle there if he was because... He looked so similar to 
uh, the character Ryder, I think he said his okay. name. Um, when they were like hanging out together, they had like a very similar like nose shape and stuff. And I was just thinking, well, Kristoff, like we never actually learned about his heritage because why was he so off in the wilderness when we found him in the first story? It just kind of brought a lot of questions about that character. Uh, seems uh, like it could be. Yeah. I think the first time you watch any movie, your brain kind of like starts whirling into all the different paths it could take. And that crossed my mind too, is like, wait, someone's going to be related to them or someone's not remembering something correctly, but you can kind of imagine any ending the first time you watch a movie because you have no idea what's going to happen next, which was fun. I loved it. Loved thinking like that. See, I'm warming up to the film. I mean, it usually just takes hearing that opening uh, vocalizing the the Whaley, uh music to really put me in the mood. It was a little bit different in this movie, there, and there was no short. We could mention that, but like, there's no short film before Frozen Two. Um, but it does begin with a slight variation on the opening theme from the first film. Um, I was kind of hoping they just use that same track, so it'd be kind of like Star Wars, where like you don't know which one you're watching necessarily until you see that crawl you know, like first appear with the episode number and such. I mean, I can tell the f first three original Star Wars films to, apart just by listening to the, the slight variation and the you know recordings of those. I watched you do that. <laughs> I watched you sitting in front of the computer playing each one over and over and working it out. You're like, well, this, this is this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, New Hope, Empire, and Jedi are slightly distinct from each other. And then all the prequels use the same recording. And then I think the Lazy. sequels use the same. <laughs> but the sequels use a different recording from the prequels or the yeah. George Lucas, you lazy <laughs> hack, you use the same theme song for each movie. But like the same, yeah. same theme song. Well, John Williams didn't originally want to use the original Star Wars theme for the prequels because that was Luke's theme. He wanted to maybe do an, a new title song, but um, no, just, Luke's, yeah. Luke's theme is <laughs> Binary Sunset. Mm, that's the Force theme. It's the Star Wars theme is the Star Wars theme. That's it. No, yeah, well, that's true. Or Obi Wan's theme, actually, originally. But but that's coming. The end of the Skywalker saga is coming out in a month from now. Right now, we're talking about <laughs> the vastly more significant film of the year to Philip. Uh, this is, this is the the new Star Wars. This is a. Uh, on a Star Wars with maybe a bit more feminine twist to it, shall we say? Frozen. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm I'm uh, hyperbolic, being hyperbolic. Philip, what did you think of like the flashback to their parents telling the story? I know that was something we talked about in the mm -hmm. trailers when we talked about that. Oh, I really like that. I mean, and like the opening song uh, by Evan Rachel Wood, um, "All Is Found," that gave me major chills uh, right off the bat. Uh, but yeah, the story um, about their childhood, like it really earned the line from Anna, like, whoa, that was epic. I, I, it really set an air of mystery about the film where like, why did these opposing sides start fighting? And you know, what was the conflict? You know, it, it gave us a nice mystery to sort of sink our teeth into uh, for the rest of the film plot wise. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Wonderful, wonderful opening of the film and all is found is my favorite song of the whole film by a landslide it was sort of a somber you know ending to the song it was a little more serious right off the bat saying like 
again, I don't really remember the lyrics, but like you will be drowned. Like if you follow too far or whatever, like you will be drowned. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at Hand and I was like, well, this is going to be a little more serious movie. Yeah, it was kind of wild. And the fact that they, um, like the dad didn't seem to know everything that happened. Like obviously they didn't know that everyone was still trapped in there. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand like what the parents knew. I wish we knew more of what they actually knew because they were clearly on the journey to find the answers. I, I th- yeah, I think he was planning on continuing that story at a later time, but um, that may have been the same night that Anna and Elsa, like they had their accident because Anna tells Elsa, you know, we should go build a big snowman later before oh. the father. Yeah. Wait, so so dad tells him all about this magical place, and then later that same night, Elsa shoots on, and he's like, ah, magic, get it out. And he was he saw Elsa playing with magic and had no problem with whatsoever. This film really called into question hmm. uh, the entire origins of, of the characters in the franchise, because in the first movie, the parents were basically portrayed as kind of ignorant and maybe like bigoted and oppressive and like, oh, there's this magic and it's a problem and we don't know where it comes from and the trolls have no idea where it comes from and we got to get rid of it. But then in this movie, Mamio or Mamia, <laughs> she knows full darn well what magic is and where it comes from and everything. And why did she keep that from her daughter for um, 16, 15 years? Who knows? Hmm. Uh, I loved this story. It was, I, I love, I love the parent back that one of my favorite aspects of the film was was the parents' background. I loved all the flashbacks to the parents as children. I'm really interested in the story of how the mother rescued him and their journey from the North back down to Arendelle. And she seemed like an incredibly compelling character for the minimal screen time she was actually given. Um, so like, I loved all of that, but how does it correspond and correlate? And how is it justified by what we saw in Frozen 1? It's a little, nah, this is something to me i'm not i'm not like saying immediately that it doesn't work completely mm-hmm. or like they didn't think it through at all i just haven't i mean based off my first viewing of the film <clears> not, <throat> it raises questions i haven't quite you know it's weird to me so far i th- i think um they really did a lot of legwork in making sure they weren't retconning too heavily uh but it it was i i think i could kind of tell like they they were they were pushing, you know that justification a lot, and and it ultimately works for me. Uh, you know I could elaborate further on why, but like um, they and there were other ways they could have retconned it more heavily with, you know, what if they survived? You know what? Um, yeah. I don't know what if the the person the voice that saved uh, King Agnar when he hit his head. You know, what if that was Elsa time traveling after she journeyed to the Forbidden Land and entered some kind of nexus portal that allowed her to interact with the event? That that would have been just like Interstellar, and that would have been awesome. <laughs> you thought that would have been good? I I, I actually I actually thought it was. Mm. I thought that was Elsa calling to herself. Yeah, kind of Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban esque. Oh, and also like the voice he hears when he's injured. That's a huge callback to, of course, Little Mermaid. Philip, we were talking about how Harry Potter-ish it was oh. because you remember when we talked about the tra- trailer, we even called the horse thing a Patronus, like, and with the little letter at the end being delivered by like magic, 
Gale. Was, yeah, Gale. Why Gale, it's a Gale wind, a Gale wind. It's somewhere. Yeah, that was oh. perfectly on point. Oprah's friend. I was confused. <laughs> I was confused because I didn't know if she was talking to the horse or what or who was Gail. And we didn't we didn't know who the air manifestation was. Uh, we just my viewing party. We decided at the end that air didn't have an animal manifestation. The air was just the air. Mm -hmm. But then she said Gail and uh, you're riding a horse. I was confused. It was a good name for a wind spirit, a non corporeal wind spirit. But Perhaps Gail. Yeah. Who are you talking to, Elsa? Are you crazy? Yeah. Who's Gail? Yeah, Jody. I was just gonna say one of my biggest questions leaving the theater is why was the water spirit trying to like drown Elsa? I think it was trying to save her and she was trying to fight it. Oh maybe. It deliberately smacked into her and drove her deeper okay, into the water. Okay. Yeah, I it was yeah. no. Pushing Sorry. her down, down, down. Philip, did you, okay. after watching the second time, have a little more clarification with that? Um, I think the spirits are, all have a bit of a hostility and skepticism towards human mm. interaction, or human involvement in their affairs. I think they, they treat humans with suspicion because of humans' tendency to be uh, un- thought you know unwitting meddlers uh, in the destruction of nature and things like that um so i i i think it makes sense that it wouldn't be friendly at first I mean, yeah I, I mean i thought it was fine that each of the elemental creatures like did no holds barred attack the humans including attacking elsa but she like fought and tamed them at every turn uh and kind of earned their respect and then they carried their queen to the void realm where she would eventually rule uh, and be the bridge between worlds. Mm. My wife is home now, so I need to go. Okay. Um, but yeah, lovely to get the first impressions on the film. And thanks for having me for the short while. Continue the conversation. Have fun. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, yeah, good night, we'll, everybody. Yeah. Sorry it got so late. We'll see you again soon. All right, Philip. Then here's my big question. Did you love it or hate it or did you fall in between? Like this is supposed to be the impression feedback. So now that Dawson's out of our hair, like how did mm. you feel leaving the theater the first time you watched it? And how did you leave the theater the second time feeling? Oh, I I felt inspired. I mean, both times. Um, I, I felt like I had some revelations about myself that I had come to really grasp in a tangible way where like, you know, digging a little deep right now. And I don't know, I, I love anything that's highly emotionally evocative. I'm not into like cry porn type of thing. You know, I'm thinking of like the ending of Coco as an example, or I don't know, people talk about that show, this is us and things like, I'm, you know, I like it when stuff that's emotionally manipulative has a strong message to it and it's very well executed, you know, visually, stylistically, all that. Um, but no, that like, I, I realized that I am very content as a person to live within my own little internal world and the wider the distance between my interior world and my exterior world, uh, the less control I have over my external surroundings. And so I really need to avoid 
putting so much stake into the things that are going on in my imagination without allowing them to affect the world around me. So I, I'm realizing I have to like try to write things down more, get in the habit of, of bringing things out, at least in some kind of tangible form. Uh, that's why I like doing this podcast. Um, and then also like my cardiovascular health is very bad. So I uh, started running the night I got home from the, the movie, for example. And like, I only lasted like five minutes before it was like searing from the exhaustion. <laughs> uh, but then I've, I've run again since then as you know, it just gets easier and easier. And that's just something that's come from my all too sedentary tendencies, uh, you know, from youth, sitting too much time in, in, in front of screens and like not taking care of my body enough. I mean, so many of these things like that I've been procrastinating on, I sort of, this, this movie did help, has already helped in sort of overcoming some barriers. I know that's probably too much information, but just as, as like a very practical uh, description of like what this movie already means to me, um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, there, there were maybe some things plot wise that left me, um, I don't know, wanting a little more. Um, but overall, um, it was, it was very well executed, um, and, and still, and had a lot of emotional impact. I think overall, I prefer the first one. Yeah, I think it's inevitable going into a sequel, especially after a movie like Frozen. Um, it's impossible for us to not be a little bit nitpicky and judgy. But I think if audience members leave feeling inspired and leave, I guess, one of the impressions or one of the things I really took from it, wanting to do the next, what was it, good thing next, or the next yes, thing, yes. I think that in itself out of a movie is a lot. So I don't think that it was a letdown in any way. I think it's just really tough coming off of Frozen. But it's really one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Hannah, would you agree? Or what did you kind of feel coming out? I think it was like a little bit mature, but I really loved the overall arc of the script and overall like, I think that it was a really clear message that kids now really needed. And I think it was very thought out I do kind of want to refer back to when Dawson was saying it was a bit disconnected. I don't know if that's exactly what he was saying, but that was like what I was thinking when he was saying it from the first film and that the parents like were saying that they didn't know and did the whole trolls thing. It almost seems like this whole thing was such an afterthought. Like they never planned on it being so like they never planned on a sequel and so they just wrote a sequel and this was their story and they had to somehow integrate it but it was never an integrated plan and that was like a little bothersome but I think um I don't know I think it does kind of inspire to be better and to kind of look at the world around you and do you really need to build walls and do things that are going to be cumbersome to somebody else or should you do things that are just the next right thing and sometimes the right thing for you isn't the right thing in someone else's eyes mm -hmm. it's a good metaphor for writer's block <laughs> just do the next <laughs> <laughs> um if if you can't like if the path ahead is unclear um you know and and you're lacking in inspiration you're you're down in kind of a 
avoid and you know Anna there's a, there's a lot of like really raw emotion in this movie on screen like you see it in the faces of the characters um so it's really selling you know the just sheer emotional bandwidth uh that you know all that it can yeah i definitely think there were leaps and bounds um with the animation when it came to showing emotion especially there's that scene and forgive me i can't recall what the song was when she transforms into the ice dress and she starts to cry seeing her mother on the wall mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever seen such lifelike tears out of an animated character before um i don't think it was like blowing me out of the water animation just because we've gotten so accustomed to really great animation but the the emotions on their face i think was super strong throughout mm -hmm. yeah that's something you'll find in um you know the work of people who've really like appealed to massive audiences you know a lot of like family and uh, uplifting types of movies will uh, use this technique. A lot of Steven Spielberg is like close-ups on people's face as they're in awe. You know, it's, it's just giving that sense of awe and wonderment. Um, so like water, the big water scene with Arendelle or whatever, like when it was like the dam was crashing down, that water particularly mm -hmm. and the little droplets of water were really, really clear and almost like realistic-like. Yeah, they, they really... Um, gave a lot of photorealistic um at least the environmental effects i would say were, were pretty full photorealistic uh the water droplets and such um, um yeah i thought that's like distracting me that is like a little off topic mm -hmm. is did that little gecko have a name and like did you like him uh yeah according to the marketing his name is bruni here let me show you something yeah. This, this is my sticker from the tour that I went on at Monday. Oh. We were, I was in group Bruni. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was never called that in the movie, which is fine. He reminded me a lot of Pascal. Mm -hmm. um, his little facial like smirks. And I love that he didn't talk. Not that I didn't love like Olaf, I love Olaf talking throughout the thing. And I guess I can get behind Sven singing in that one <laughs> stupid, stupid song. Right. Uh, but I, I really liked that Bruni was was a, an animal. Like, mm -hmm. and didn't, well, a fire spirit, sorry. But like, I liked that they didn't have him speaking. It, it added to him and his persona. Mm -hmm. that, okay, yeah. let's really talk about the song's favorite song. And like, okay. can we all agree that the worst favorite song was Kristoff? I kind of liked it. It was a little like Grease. This whole movie is a little more musical theater, so it's more my style, whereas the first one was more pop. And I do think there were some like odd moments, like his ballad maybe didn't need to be so 80s, but it was still like fun to me. I love the 80s aesthetic, but uh, the song itself man, was was probably... Yeah, it was like, what? It was. I liked it. I liked the, I don't know, the spirit of it and... I I, th I think um, it worked. It really worked for me. I thought as like a reflection of Kristoff's conflict in that moment, because you know that that was kind of a far far down subplot 
uh, next to like the rest of what was going going on. I think if anybody else had that vibe in a song, it would have been crazy. But the fact that he had it was fine. Mm-hmm. And have you ever listened to on like the deluxe album of the first movie mm-hmm. when Robert Lopez kind of is talking about how they wish they would have given him a real song and they regretted it so much? Yeah, he had a cut song. I feel like that was, oh, it, it was sort of a joke that, that they did. Yeah, it was like the reindeer rock ballad. Yeah, thing. yeah, it was very rock heavy. Um, but yeah, they treated that conflict with a lot of levity, which I thought was appropriate. Yeah, I guess if I if you would have told me a song like that was going to be in the movie before seeing the Frozen 2, I would have assumed it was going to be an Olaf song. But um, just because it was like a little more weird, but Olaf had growth in this um, movie and I really appreciated that. I remember when we were talking about this movie uh, way back when the trailers were just coming out, my fear was that none of the characters would have made enough you know, progress considering I think this story is supposed to be taking place three years after the original, like that's the timeline um, of this period i guess okay and i I was happy that like olaf is sort of developing his conscious like a three-year-old would be like he's kind of having a little existential moment and anna is becoming more and more content with her life and her family and and elsa's growing too i think they kind of did backtrack a little with elsa's growth Hmm. um but still i was happy that overall everybody had come a little ways forward by the time we got to the sequel because it would have been really easy for them to go back to the same old problems and don't you think that they had more mature problems or more like don't you feel like they grew they were more human problems like more of like every day you're feeling them problems yeah not like me 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 like what's wrong with me problems but more like almost like a society problem a cultural problem just to hop back to what we were saying at the beginning it was sort of cool to see that yeah um the whole forbidden land that's closed off and like you you think maybe this concern regarding the neighboring north aldra uh, would would you know have a bigger role to play within the politics of the kingdom uh you know within the three-year span of elsa being queen you'd think she'd have a bit more to deal with maybe all the north aldra had migrated from anywhere near the the forbidden forest um, so that was no longer a factor, but yeah, it's, you know, I guess that being such an enigma is just because, you know, people tried going up there and they just couldn't get through the the fog. Like magic was, I don't know. It, it seems like, it seemed like it took at least a day's journey to get up there. Um, so people just never bothered. <laughs> um, but yeah, was it three years? I mean, I was, I couldn't even after seeing it twice, I was thinking, it was one year, but it was the fall. So it was like the fall after the summer where Anna's birthday takes place in Frozen Fever. I don't know. I feel like I just read somewhere that it was three years. Okay. Yeah, I tried not to read any articles, but um, as we were walking out of the theater, I kind of wanted to gauge where it was doing on like Rotten, to- not Rotten Tomatoes, but you know, like the reviews. Mm-hmm. And one of the top reviews was saying set three years later. So cr- we can correct that okay. maybe next time when we revisit it but regardless i was happy to see that they weren't like picking up midway through the original with their personal problems like 
they've, they've grown on to, you know, sort of new challenges. And I mean, not that you can't re-encounter the same problems in life over and over, but it was, it was cool to see Elsa more like chasing a voice rather than being, being scared of one. So that was, it, it was yeah. exciting. It was her, I want song officially. It was a very musical theater piece. Like even that something's never changed song, which is my favorite song in the whole movie. It's so catchy and so cute. Um, like that whole part is the beginning of like every, you know, set in stone musical. Every, like even uh, Beauty and the Beast when all the townspeople <laughs> are kind of reflecting and going about their days. Like that is such a song. Like it made me think of like My Fair Lady or any of those like really um, like old school musicals hmm. that are just like something you'd go to with your grandma. Like those kind of musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It, it uh, I think, probably works the fundamentals pretty well as a in terms of structure. Uh, it's not something I've studied necessarily in terms of uh, like how to, how to build a, a Broadway musical. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely I, and it's a catchy song. I like that. Yeah, some things never change. It, it made me kind of want a Broadway version of of this. Of Frozen Two. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it almost seems like it would translate more to Broadway um, than the first one. Mm. Um, also, Philip, just another side thing off the music, if you're okay with that. Um, did you see the new Parks outfits? No, I, I've not been to the Parks since D23, sadly. Uh, I've just seen pictures online. Okay. So they put Elsa in that white dress and then Anna in her like queen dress. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Um, I think it. They almost like don't go together, but I love them. Mm. I, I wish Elsa's was more like the movie, but that is probably my favorite princess dress ever. Is Elsa's white dress? It's so pretty. And I love how well at the end she's sort of riding off into her own little sunset, but I mean on the water and towards the ice. But uh, the cape is sort of like uh, a like a ombre purple that mm -hmm. royal purple that you saw her in the beginning. And I agree with Hannah, like that dress with her hair undone, I could not stop staring. She was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was really, really pretty. Oh yeah, that's visually a masterpiece. And I, I love the design. Yeah, Elsa with her hair down is, is something, yeah, basically I've waited six years to see, uh, <laughs> apart from just brief glimpses in like fan art. But um, that is so that that could be the factor that pushes this movie over the edge to like people, you know, doing their repeat viewings and sending this movie to, um, you know, billion and a half dollar status at the global box office. I, I think the question now is like, will will this be a billion dollar grocer or a two billion dollar grocer? Um, I think mm -hmm. was the original was it like one point three? At, at the box office and which was incredible um but like i i wonder if this one has the potential to have the same like viral and did it surpass toy story 4 already that was my big question because that movie was pretty big yeah i i know pre-sales were better than toy story 4 they, they were better than the lion king even which made all the money in the world um Okay. That's why. Global, yeah. yeah. 1.274 billion 
uh, is, was the original Frozen. Huh. So let's see if we can't push this one. Well, this is the first time that Hannah and I, well, the first time I've ever bought tickets in advance because I just assumed that it was going to be sold out. We're in Houston right now for work and we were like, okay, we have to see this. So we, we ordered our tickets early and I never, never, never do that. Mm. But something to go off of, I mean, we're talking a little bit about design and animation, so I'm going to kind of fly us over to something else. I, I didn't say my favorite was, song. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Philip, like, this is your movie. Like, you can interrupt me. Anytime. No, no, no. Uh, what was your I'm just going to name it. It's, it's Into the Unknown. That's my favorite song. Uh, What's her other, like, power ballad now that you've seen it? I can't remember what it was called, but I loved it as well. She's kind of, as she's going down into oh, the dark cave. Um, show Yourself. Loved that. Also, that, that was, was my really favorite. Cool. Mm -hmm. That one's my favorite. Hannah really also liked the Some Things Never Change song. It's That's just great. so catchy. But I do really like um, that Show Yourself song too. It was really cool. And it's such um, a big growth moment. And of course, like me, the theater kid, listening to Adina Menzel singing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like she's about to fly off in Defying Gravity. <laughs> Actually, this is like a super sidebar. And then like we'll get back to Frozen 2. She almost sounded like when Adina Menzel did Wild Party when she was in like her like 20s. Oh. It was when her first like big thing. Oh. It almost sounded like she was in that vocal set. Okay. So that was really interesting to me how she almost, I don't know, she just kind of like turned herself back for that moment. Oh. And I know that sounds really weird, but she has a very interesting vocal technique that's actually uh, pretty dangerous <laughs> if people sing like, the way she does, just like how she breathes and stuff. But you could just hear that drop in her voice, and it was really interesting okay. to like hear her different, um, not even like a tone or a pitch. It was just a different kind of era it, of Adina Menzel. It was yeah, cool. it never occurred to me that these were older women portraying young girls in their twenties. Um, it sort of did in the first movie, like Adina Menzel singing "Let It Go." It sounded like you know this. This is maybe someone who's in their thirties or forties, is a bit seasoned, um, but you know, still youth, plenty youthful sounding, but I've gotten just so used to it that maybe I just didn't notice it this time around. Sure. Well, when she did Wicked, she was like, um, I think like 30 something and she was a college student there. So she's just one of those actors where I think her speaking voice is so unique. You can't really pinpoint an age, which makes it so timeless. Yeah. I think she's 45 or 46. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Jody, you were making a point before I named my, my favorite song about the visuals. <laughs> uh, yeah. My one question was, and now that you've seen it twice, something that kind of felt weird to me, and I don't know if it was just me, was you have these scenes with Elsa exploring her powers and whatever, where it's sort of, she's like in a black blank environment. Um, it's throughout a couple of her songs and I didn't like it, but maybe it felt more of a smooth transition for you. But you know what I'm talking about? Like where Elsa's singing and dancing, but it's like in pitch black. Oh, I loved it. You loved did it. like it. Okay, <laughs> no, that was my question. With the, I was wondering with that animation, with that coloring, do you think it was just to make her powers more vibrant and more bright and the black to be the unknown? Or, or, or what was the reason for that? Not having her in the world, like having her in black. Save money on animation. <laughs> no. No, I mean, uh, honestly, that crossed my mind. That crossed my mind. So that's why I was asking after seeing it twice if it made more sense to you. Um, I, I, I've, you know, dabbled around, like in my own head, like conceiving what 
a, you know, a new Elsa anthem would look like. And, and they do resemble a lot, you know, something like what we saw here, like the, the black void and, and kind of things. She's just sort of extruding objects from the world around here. Like say she's on the surface of a body of water um, and just she's walking, you know, on top of it like Jesus, you know, and then causing objects to appear like apparitions from the surface. And, you know, I felt like that would be sort of an appropriate direction to go as like a, a big um, centerpiece, you know, instead of, you know, because they had the big moment with building the castle in the first film on the mountain. So I figured, you know, a, a large body of water would be a good setting for this movie. And, and like, I that is associated with just like blackness and, and the void. Oh. Um, so it makes sense that they just drop out all of like the surrounding imagery and just have her dancing through this. I also loved when she was um, kind of walking through the past in that part with all of like the snow sculptures. Oh, oh my gosh, I forgot about the little, that. The little eye roll smirk at when it starts playing Let It Go. Was, that was hilarious. Maybe. Oh, and I love the part where she... <laughs> Okay, no, sorry, I'm just like remembering all these parts now that I love. Yeah. I love the part where Olaf is reenacting Frozen 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my favorite moment is when she's ascending to Nirvana. And then I loved also how it kind of flipped that soon after where she freezes. It, it very much reminded me of like of being bipolar or something. You know, not that I'm bipolar, but like the, how you sometimes go from these just super high highs to then crash into the lowest of lows. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the joke where she's looking at herself from the first movie and, you know, she's doing the face palm. That was my favorite joke of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved it. I, I loved the way they like had a little laugh at themselves and, and kind of, what would you call that? Like echoed the first one in lots of different places. Um, because it's like, it's, to me, it's like smart humor. Maybe they, maybe some people would think it's dumb humor, but I thought it was really smart. Yeah, it was super clever. Oh yeah, yeah. I those flash and like Sterling K. Brown's yeah, uh, Lieutenant Matias's reactions to that. <laughs> I thought those were great too. He was really getting into Olaf's story. Time. Yeah. It it there's like almost too many moments that like now we need five more hours. I feel so bad that we have yeah. to hop off tonight. That's fine. Like, yep, yeah, you guys got to to talk about it a little bit because like this movie there was a lot going on and now I feel like we got to unpack a teeny tiny bit, mm -hmm. but hopefully we'll be able to go through more super, super soon. Yeah. I know we're all pretty busy, uh, but thank you for taking time just now to, uh, uh, to chat. Uh, if you guys want to plug yourselves, uh, go right ahead. You can find me on Instagram at Hannah Lee ever after that's L E I G H. And then ever after like fairy tales. And I'm Jody Pulaski. So again, on Instagram, I'm J-O-D-I-P-O-L-A-S-K-Y. Nothing that creative, but I'm on there. And of course I'm on here and hopefully I'll be on here again real soon talking about Frozen 2 because now I feel like we got all, you got me all excited about it. I need to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we'll probably watch it again and come back and uh, organize your thoughts a little better. Thank you so much. You find the Thoughtcast, thoughtcast.com, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, and uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, find me, Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. Find Thoughtcast at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, this is our first episode of coverage on Frozen 2 post-release. And uh, you all have a wonderful week, a magical day. Warm hugs, everyone. 
Warm hugs, everyone. <laughs> Bye.